When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Christmas and New Year edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host this evening, Gary Cocker, and I am joined by my fellow championship dweller, Robert Borthwick. It's a pleasure. But Premiership, haven't heard that name in years. Uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to going through these games. <laughs> and uh, we're also joined by a man who's not in the championship, but takes great interest in what hearts are up to, Duncan Mackay. Who are, who are hearts, sir? Uh, they're yeah, the team that's... that knocked out the semi-final of the Cup, mate. That's what they're also, right. I'm, no, no, I'm, sorry, no. So I'm sorry. Uh, the Scottish Cup is just in the first round at the moment. But you get you guys are both in the second round draw tonight, right? Is that right? Just, just checking. I'm, I'm having to virtually hold you apart here. Although with that last comment, I might just shove Duncan off the cliff because it might be the second round. But technically, it's the last forty-two if you really think about it. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, which is probably going on Dundee's rule of honour as we speak. <laughs> yeah, look at that. One Scotch Cup within 110 years and you get cocky. That's yeah, exactly. Funny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, pretty much. In fact, it's more than that. It's us that's 110 years. But anyway, we digress massively. We're, we're going to move away from these petty uh, petty squabbles that you have little interest in to some petty games that you probably have not much interest in because it was a bit of a strange uh, Boxing Day card. So we are going to go through the games alphabetically which means that, unfortunately, we have to start in Aberdeen, uh, Scotland's second-best northeast city. So, uh, Aberdeen 2, St Johnson 1. St Johnson going ahead, thanks to a slightly strange Liam Craig header, uh, before Aberdeen coming back in slightly controversial circumstances. Um, Robert, you're a man that seems to have opinions. I'm sure you've got opinions about this Aberdeen side. So I'll go to you I first. Do. 
I, I do. I have strong opinions about this Aberdeen side. Um, first of all, it was Liam Gordon who scored the goal, Gary, not Liam Craig. But I'll, I'll just say it's Christmas and forgive you. Um, it was like I, I love that goal because he headed it into the ground, and I still have no idea how it managed to go over Joe Lewis because he is like the largest man on earth. It still bounced over him, uh, so I very much enjoyed that. But this this Aberdeen team, McInnes Ball, um, is one of the least attractive brands of football in Scotland. I mean. I think the thing that annoys me the most is that their squad is so big that even if they are missing players throughout the season, they still have other guys who can come in and, and inject a bit of energy into it. You've got Hedges, Kennedy, Ferguson from the midfield, McLennan, Hayes. You've got all these guys who can produce good football, but they're, they're not doing it. And Christ, Niall McGinn's still there. There's all these players there that have in the past uh, done good things for Aberdeen and, and made them exciting to watch. Sam Cosgrove, obviously, is is not that sort of exciting player, but you still have come to expect a lot more from him uh, in, in sort of recent years as well. When you've got Curtis Miami playing up front, it's it's never it's never going to be uh, the, the sexiest the sexiest way to play football. But it's the thing that we've been talking about with Aberdeen for like two or three years is that they are so, so boring to watch and they're so frustrating to watch, but they still get results. And that was this in a microcosm uh, on Boxing Day when they, they managed to beat St Johnston with a really, I mean, it was never a penalty kick in a million years. Uh, and then some some really sort of poor defender from St Johnston after the break that got them the goals. Otherwise, they were just lacklustre and, and really uninspiring. And I think that, you know, when, when it comes down to it, the Aberdeen fans want entertainment or do they want wins? And I think that that sort of, that arrow has been flickering uh, back and forth for, you know, as I say, two or three years because Derek McInnes just is not playing good football with this Aberdeen side. And you picked up on that penalty award. I mean, Duncan, did it feel to you a little bit like Alan Muir maybe thought you'd missed something from the initial corner and just sort of went along with sort of, well, two two quarter penalties make a half penalty, which I'm going to round up to a full penalty because it's Christmas after all. Yes, I think he panicked. <laughs> and I think we've all been I think we've all been there, but then we're also probably not all on nine hundred pounds an appearance to, to to referee games. And um yeah, he I, I mean I think it probably was a penalty uh, Callum Booth's elbow. Um Rob does Rob disagrees, but I, I could see why I could see that being a given and being a, a, a stonewaller. Um whereas what it was actually given for, I am still none the wiser, um, because you, know, yeah, because there isn't there isn't the the sharp pooling that would make you suggest that that's what Cosgrove fell to the ground with. Um, yeah, it was it was a bizarre incident, um, and I think the St. John's players came out afterwards uh, and said, "You, know, Almir, couldn't tell them." Why given the penalty, which is always a good sign, I find. Um, but again, we managed to get the the trademark uh, Liam Craig going off as not at referees uh, f- uh, picture, uh, which we, we which we we all know and love, and uh, sadly will be with us probably until Liam Craig is still playing for St Johnson at age sixty three. The strange thing for me about St Johnson is I feel like I'm always on a slight time lag with how they're actually doing in the league. So I felt like it took me ages to recognise St. Johnson have strung together a good string of results. And then... And now they're not. <laughs> well, yeah, and then this is what happened. Then I checked their recent form. I thought, oh, well, you know, it's you know St. Johnson's still doing okay. But they've actually lost four on the bounce. Um, so it's obviously, it's pretty congested down at the bottom. But do either of you think that there's a... Is it just that they've had a, a string of bad luck and, and difficult teams to 
to play against or is there a particular uh, solution to the, the current poor form that they're experiencing? If you continue to get players being sent off for being idiots, then <laughs> yeah, you've got a really good chance of of not getting yourself out of that hole. Um, I don't. I'd, yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a tough one because again, I think so many of the teams in the Premiership this season, and we talked about it. Well, it's it's not a vintage year, um, probably because we are missing Dundee and Hearts, uh, you know, but. Um, it's not a vintage year and so there's a lot of teams flattered to deceive and there's a lot of regression to the mean quite quickly with teams so they they don't outperform themselves for for long nor do they uh suck donkey balls uh for a while before you know turn back a, a, a credible draw um but if i that that would be a concern of mine if i was a st johnston fan just in the same way we're seeing and we'll, we'll get to with Kamarnock later on, as Kamarnock have been doing that all season as well, is just picking up needless red cards. I mean, Callum Hendrick, I mean, what, what are you th- like? It, it's it was just a, a terrible performance because it was just the, the when yeah, just the, the idea of coming on and it, it wasn't like he was too keen. Like it wasn't like he was being overly enthusiastic. He was just being daft more than anything. Um, I- I love a red card off the bench as well because you always just think it, it speaks some sort of deep-seated resentment at not having started the game. And it's just a case of I'll show them um, and then showing everybody that you're a bit of a plum and getting yourself sent off. Um, I mean, is, is there anything else either of you want to pick up on from this game or, or shall we move on to uh, an even harder luck story than uh, the one that St. Johnson fans may feel that they experience. I think we're probably going to be a bit uh, generous in a lot of the games this week because I think the, the weather conditions were a, com- were a bit of a, a leveller. Um, it looked absolutely horrendous. Um, yeah. Actually, one of the few times when you're usually looking out and wish seeing that fixtures were on and kind of like, oh, well, I don't actually mind being indoors this weekend. Um, although I haven't said that, if there, there was a game nearby me, I'd have been there in a flash, but uh, sadly not to be. It was. I mean, I was trying to rank the games in order of just unplayability uh, with the weather conditions, and it was it was pretty difficult because even the um, well, well, we'll go to this game next. Uh, Dundee United won, Motherwell won, um, which was yet again another late, 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 late. Late show uh, from Dundee United, who uh, got a, a very uh, spawny uh, last-minute equaliser against Motherwell. I'm not bitter. That's the main thing. Um, and actually even could have gone on to win the game uh, in the end, uh, were it not for uh, Sporler, maybe not uh, not taking the, the chance that he should have. Um, this feels like, I say two points, it's eight points dropped for Motherwell. Uh, on in, a single, in a single day! In a single day, Robinson must go. Um I mean, it's maybe too much to talk about how that affected Motherwell's mentality on the day, particularly given that they, they had so many chances to finish off this game after going ahead from a, a Tony Watt goal. Uh, and Duncan, you mentioned uh, Liam Craig going mental at referees as a, something you can frame and put up in a little gallery. But uh, I think Connolly going mental at referees is, is yet another one. Or sorry, it's not li- referees, it's, at it's, his own players. Yeah, it's literally down in my notes is that, uh, that I don't think there's been a single goal conceded by Dundee United this season that doesn't have somewhere in the in the background Connolly doing his absolute nut at someone else. Um, largely, largely, <laughs> legitimately, to be fair. Although I think he's he he's uh, not he's a bit of a bomb scare himself sometimes. Um, 
Would should Motherwell be concerned? Uh, yes, because they're underperforming. Um, I think that the the six points, you know, that that six points masked a, a multitude of, of sins, uh, and you know they went into that game uh, against Hibs and had the opportunity, I think, to just be within touching distance if they'd won that, but you know they didn't. Um, but there's a lot, to, there's a lot to like in that Motherwell team. Um, and on their social media networks, but uh, that it's just not working at the moment, and uh, there seems to be a lot of people just not interested. And and really, you've got a lot of good players making bad professional decisions. You know, prime example being Stephen Donnell, ninetieth minute. What, what are you doing? Like you take the ball, to, you take the ball to the corner. Like you, you are not. Uh, a goals you're not much of a goal scoring right back um and especially they should be cognizant of that especially because Dun United have demonstrated this season that they do they do fight all the way to the end like you know it's it was it's only been a week since they they got back in the game against Hibs they continued to go all the way from till till the very end with their slightly underwhelming strike force yeah and I think with United as well it's they're still trying to work out exactly how to create more chances because obviously Seagrass has been on a great run of form and um, admittedly he maybe got away with two I think in this game um, where uh, he maybe should have uh, should have just done the simple thing but yep yeah, United are still tinkering a little bit Paul McMillan's come back into the side there was talk of him uh, leaving uh, in the summer but he maybe still has a chance so United are it feels a little bit like Melon's beginning to work out, but as you say, if I mean, if your mother well, you just it's three points to get on the board when you've lost six earlier in the day. Don't don't try to be fancy about it. Um, yeah, I mean, you're you're saying like Melon's beginning to work it out, but that felt kind of like it was Motherwell versus the Keystone Cops for about ninety oh, yeah. minutes because the the amount of opportunities that that Motherwell were getting through like daft mistakes and stupid position and, and Dundee United players being dragged out of position for, for no good reason. Seagrass giving the ball to the opposition and all these chances that, you know, I, I still can't believe that Liam Smith kept one out uh, when, when Kyle Lang got the, the rebound. And Motherwell had all these chances and, and we're the, the sort of dominant team for 90 minutes and then Dundee United were dominant for five minutes at the very end. And, yeah, you know, Mickey Mellon obviously is, is great that Dundee United have, have picked up these scrappy late points against Motherwell and against Hibs, but it's not sustainable. That's not a sustainable way of, of picking up points by relying on basically Luke Bolton to sprint down the line uh, after the 90th minute in, in every game and hope that something drops to your, your forward players. Um, so I think that there's still real issues with that, that Dundee United team. Um, I think they are still not quite creative enough uh, in, in sort of turning possession into goals and I think that the, the defence, I mean like we're saying with Mark Connolly just screaming at absolutely everyone at all times, there's a reason for that they're making big mistakes at the back in these games, I know Hibs should have buried them, absolutely buried them uh, a couple of weeks ago as well but obviously Seagrass pulled out that performance so I think there's there's actually quite a lot of this Dundee United squad that, that does need looking at and does need uh, a, a bit of time to improve because I mean I would hate to see I can already see people rolling their eyes at me using XG, but I'd love to see what they're against XG is because it must be astronomical because they are conceding so many great goal-scoring chances that are somehow not going in. Um, and Motherwell, how Motherwell didn't win this game, I honestly have no idea. It was it was just, they should have been about four or five up by that time. But at the same time, and I hate acknowledging this, but United are somehow 11 points clear 
of the playoff spot, which is yeah, I, mad because if I, I, I totally agree with you, if you you know if you watch United for ninety minutes, you do not get how you know it's just that tiny little. Uh, it's in the margins where you know Seagrass makes an incredible save where they capitalize on the one slip up that's made um, by an opposition side, but it's that eleven points suggests is something more than luck. Um, I think I think there there is more than luck, and especially the way they started the the season. Um, I I quite enjoyed with like Harks and Butcher and Pollock playing in the middle of the park. They they sort of strung together some some good performances, made a good partnership. Um, Nicky Clark throughout the season has has been chipping in with goals and they had a solidity about them towards the start of the season as well that they meant they, they did pick up results quite quietly um, and, and sort of without without much fuss so I, I can see you know that they are it's not all luck but I think that the last few weeks certainly um, is, is looking more that way and you know you look at the way that the narrative is around Dundee United and people are saying oh you know Staying up is a good season for them. I I disagree with that completely. I think Dundee United, with the resources that they have, the squad that they have, should be looking at top six as as their sort of benchmark. So I think they're they're, they're maybe a wee bit fortunate that, that people are, are looking at staying up as a result, where you've got teams like Hamilton, Ross County, and Kilmarnock in the league just now. I mean, it reminds me a little bit, if if I may, uh, go to my my favourite subject of uh, the season that Dundee came up, which was the season that Hearts Hips. And Rangers weren't in the league, so people said, "Oh, top six—that's a little bit of a bit of a stretch." But then you go, "Well, actually, no, because if you actually have a look at who's in the league and sort of compare the resources, it's totally fair to say that Dundee, you know, if they're wanting to establish themselves in the league, should be looking to immediately do that." And I think it's the same case with United this season in that if you compare everything that they've got to to those beneath them, as well as the state of transition that several of those squads are in, they should be looking to to do far more than just finish ninth or 10th. Um, before we move on, um, just since we've already talked about one refereeing decision, um, Bobby Madding applying the, the six-second rule and then booking Stephen Robinson for going rage about it, um, it's it's vintage stuff. I think that, that's got to be something that just came up in the referees' group chat before the yeah. game. It's like, it's like, oh, who... I haven't done this in a while. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get get involved in that. It seems very, very harsh. Um, there were quite a lot of things that happened this week. Well, I say this weekend on Boxing Day that made me think that they'd maybe just had a meeting to to refresh some of the rules, and they all just were really, really enthusiastic about applying things pretty, pretty stringently. Um, but you know, uh, no harm done in the end. Um, but of course, there, there was harm done, a little bit of harm done to Hamilton Aki's goal difference as they fell 3 0 um, down to a rejuvenated Celtic team. He says, trying to phrase it as a question. Um, no, I wouldn't. I, I, I mean, again, Celtic haven't put together a 90 minutes this season, I don't think. I could be wrong, but I don't feel I don't feel they've put together a ninety minutes where they've looked back at their best, however you want to to quantify that, or any, anywhere close to the standards that they have set for themselves over the the past uh, two, uh, three to four years. Um, yes, Hamilton were stodgy. Yes, Cal Gurley had a, a really good game in the first half, less so the second half. Um, but and again, I would factor in the conditions because that 
that looked wild. I did, it didn't really look enjoyable. Um, the the camera uh, kept getting covered in rain, as you uh, as you saw on on uh, in the sky coverage. Um, yeah, it just wasn't a. I don't. The, the Fountain of Youth Stadium doesn't uh, often allow itself to uh, to great spectacles anyway. Before and that's before you add in add in the weather. Um, but you know, you know, Celtic went two up, uh, which is. Yeah, well, if you can't go two up against Hamilton, then why, then why would you even bother ever? Like, you know what I mean? So, uh, and odds on, Edward looked a, a little bit more interested. Griffiths is obviously very keen to uh, play his way into Euros contention. Um, but again, it's, you know, I, I would expect a, 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 a Celtic team managed by a robot to beat Hamilton 3-0. So I'm I'm not really uh, you know I can't be can't pretend like I'm uh, thinking that anything's a current a corner has been turned. Mm-hmm. I mean, even uh, and I, I hate to keep concentrating on Celtic, but uh, aside from Cal McGregor playing every single minute uh, known to mankind, he's probably played in reserve games as well just for the fun of it. Um, at, at least there seems to be a little bit of. Uh, I use the word rejuvenation yet again, um, but you know Turnbull is at least getting a run in the team. Soros getting a run in the team as well. Um, you're seeing Edward and Griffiths being played as a pair, um, which I think makes a big difference. Um, with the exception of Griffiths, who I think was maybe coming up to speed, these feel like things that could have maybe done been done a little bit earlier in the season if it wasn't for a certain stubbornness. Yeah, I, I think. Um... It's always the same excuses with players who've who've just been signed or who've who've been in the, the sort of periphery is always sort of like waiting for them to get up to match speed. Waiting for them to get up to match speed. Well you need to fucking play them first. <laughs> it's like he's actually he's actually started doing that. And you know, for me, like um the way that Celtic's midfield has turned around is, is massively down to Turnbull. And I think he needs to start every week just now. Um I think he has made such a a massive difference, not not just to the midfielders that are um, around about him, but the way that he, the way that he can complement guys like Edward and and all that, who can, he can help them um, sort of bring themselves onto a better game almost because he, he finds them in in better positions. The way the weight of his passes um, are just perfect uh, into the striker, and it's an absolute dream for any attacking player. I think he's helped. Um, you know, even even guys like Christie and Griffiths coming back into the team as well, he's, he's helped them because he he just makes the players around them that little bit better because he gets them into better positions. So I think Turnbull, um, you know, he's a, a massive positive. There's nothing else that I can say that hasn't already been said uh, about about this game in particular. Edward and Griffiths linked up really nicely. Kind of expect them to do that against what is kind of a, a little bit of fodder, uh, cannon fodder for teams like Celtic, um, but. If anything, it'll help them grow some confidence. And that's exactly what they need before coming up, obviously, into a massive game against Rangers uh, next week. Um, you know, a potential sort of league decider <laughs> against Rangers next week. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good result for Celtic. But like Dunk was saying, if you can't beat Hamilton Ackies, then, then who the fuck can you beat? Yeah. I mean, um, I know it's, it's always quite difficult in these games when it's... Uh, Celtic or Rangers against uh, a team like Hamilton, who I think sometimes view these games without too much optimism, you could say. Um, but is there anything to say other than obviously it's a, a big game for them uh, coming up against St Johnson 
a team that's out of form, maybe another chance for Ake's to, to put more points on the board and con to continue their uh, incredible uh, run of somehow avoiding relegation every season. Well, they've, they've got Motherwell the game after as well, which... Uh, they always win the New Year's which, Derby. Yeah, Motherwell, yeah they, kind of, they always seem to win. Like, so if they don't win that, then maybe maybe it is, their number is up. Um, but yeah, to be honest, there wasn't a great deal to, to say about Hamilton on, on uh, Saturday's performance. Um, again, I mentioned earlier, Gurley had a really solid game in, in goals. But again, you... You need to you need to be exceptional uh, to really be making the difference in, in a game like that. And he, he's he's not quite at that level. Um, yeah, I don't. Those games against Celtic and Rangers are never what Hamilton are not never going to be the difference makers for Hamilton's season. Um, and I, yeah, I think that uh, they, they just sometimes just have to take a hiding, basically. Well, we'll we'll move on to. Uh... A team who didn't take a hiding, um, but uh, maybe question marks over whether they are slightly disappointed, which was uh, Hibs. I've, I've just realised it was at Ibrox. I don't know why I'm going to Rangers Hibs next, but I've started so finished Rangers 1 Hibs nil. Uh, oh, you're just Jan going to, go to hell with convention. To hell with it. Um, yeah, Rangers 1 Hibs nil. Um, Ayanis Haji goal uh, being the difference between the two sides on a, again, a pretty miserable day in Govan. Um, Duncan, as our resident Hibs fan, along with Tony, how did you feel at the end of the game? Did you feel like it was an opportunity loss or any optimism about it whatsoever? There was, there was a bit of optimism. I mean, the first half, Rangers were really good. Uh, uh, there's no doubt about that. They, you could see the the gulf in class uh, that exists, just the the quickness and in the intricacies of passing, uh, especially with, you know, with Kamara, Hadji, Aribo, uh, involved all at certain points, uh, and that that definitely fell apart in the second half. Um, whether that was Rangers losing a gear or Hibs managing to step up and come into a bit of confidence, I'm, I think it could go either way. Um, but yeah, I, it was one of those games where we probably, if we were really lucky, would have got a point out of it. But it would have maybe been, I, I would say it was be unjust. Um, I think there are some Hibs fans that were moaning a bit and saying that you know, we should have had more of a goal. But I, I don't think you really can at Ibrox against that 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 uh, that team with the ability to, to counter as they do. Um, I think we, did, I think Hibs did really well at containing. You know, I didn't think Tavernier had an especially outstanding game, which I think is. Uh, Something that's that not many teams have done this season. Um, I mean, I think it, it the Rangers fans I follow, uh, you know, have said that Hibs over the two games that, that Hibs are probably up there with some of the Europa League uh, opponents in terms of the uh, taking the game and making it difficult for Rangers. Uh, but again, it's just the embarrassment of riches, riches that that Rangers have on the bench that that can be the difference if needs be. If if Hibs have got themselves back in the game, but I mean that's twice in the last two games at Ibrox. It's been Hadji that's that's decided the game, and you know he's a what seven million pound player. Um, you know that's that, that is kind of the difference maker. Yeah, and I think the other thing for me is that this is the the type of game that perhaps last season Rangers wouldn't have found that. Uh, 
that sort of little moment, that little gap. And that's, as you say, that's the difference as well. I mean, obviously the big difference is the millions that they can spend on players, but in terms of uh, how well the team is doing, it's it's squeezing three points out where it seems if only one might exist. Um, I mean, Robert, is there anything as a Hearts fan that you took heart from? Uh, did you think that, <laughs> that there's anything, uh, any any truth in the in the rumour, uh, shall we say, that, that Jack Ross doesn't know what to do when it comes to the big games? It's just yet another example of Hibs failing to win a game in Glasgow. Uh, that's that's all I can say. No, I, I think that <laughs> <laughs> getting the Vs from Duncan there, something that Hibs didn't achieve on uh, on Boxing Day. But um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of encouraging performances from Hibs and, and it's the players that have been praised throughout the season kind of already. I, I think, you know, Josh Doig had a, a, a harder time after he burst onto the scene, but he, he played really, really well uh, on, on Boxing Day. The way that he was bombing down in behind Tavernier, um, quite a risky, actually, quite a risky tactic from Jack Ross to, to try and exploit it in that way, but it nearly paid dividends in the first minute uh, when he put in an amazing cross for, for Martin Boyle. Um, Joe Newell was fantastic. He is such a great player to watch. Um, the way he can move through the midfield, his weight of pass, um, his vision, he's he's just absolutely brilliant. So again, uh, a good, you know, a good performance there, a solid one. I think from huge what I saw injustice game, not to get a penalty as well, you know. Huge injustice. I I, I honestly wasn't even gonna bring it up. None of them were penalties. <laughs> Let's all just shut up about it. Yeah, um, uh, agreed. Also, big yeah. teams get decisions, Duncan, as you like to say. So. <laughs> it was the it was the crowd in Ibrox, obviously. That was the leveler. But I think um you know, looking at it, Hibs, Hibs can take a lot of heart from that. They won't take any points. And obviously Jack Cross is trying to trying to build something just now that is is points over performances. Um to an extent, I think he's 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 trying to build something that for me, like right now, I would honestly prefer that Hibs finish third than Aberdeen because I, I'm so bored by that Aberdeen team. So that they, there's something, there's a line you can take from this podcast. But um, I think you, you look at the goal itself, um, Porteous and, and Hanlon again have, have had their fair share of uh, praise this season for for all good reasons, but they both were just a, a split second off it for that goal. Porteous hung off the roof. Uh, and Hanlon lost the run of Hadji, and that, that was the difference in the game. Um, Dylan Barnes and goals, I thought, had a, a great game as well. So, again, you know, it's, it's fine margins, and I think that the, there's definitely confidence to be taken from the fact that Rangers have been kind of routinely steamrolling teams uh, at, at Ibrox this, this season, and, and they, they found it very difficult against Hibs, but, again, it, it counts for nothing, and, and Rangers, it's a, it's a great win for them, um, having to dig that out. Like you're saying, maybe not something they would have done last year uh, or the year before that, or really since they, they came back up into the, the top flight. But those can be the games that can make a difference at the end of the season. Morelos coming on, like you're saying, Duncan, you know, it's they didn't need to find a winner um, from their substitute bench, but Morelos came on and his hold up play and the way that he held the ball up the pitch and, and kept Rangers up there was absolutely superb. So, again, uh, the embarrassment of riches, like you said, um, sort of showing itself there. I think that continue, I think there's only been one goal conceded by Rangers at Ibrox this season as well, which is an unbelievable uh, statistic in and of itself as well. Um, so you know, goals win games. Um, but the good news for uh, Hibs is that they are going to Ross County uh, next, and I've, I've just totally abandoned the order now in the in the search for appropriate links. So he's, he's, going, he's he's gone rogue. He's a madman. Yeah, no. So quick flip flip to your Ross County notes. Um, which there should be plenty of because there was a, a lot of fun and games in their uh, 
fixture at the weekend against St Mirren. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think I think the manager's lost the changing room. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Yogi, what a guy! He's back. Um, he's back with nine men, it seems then, because obviously Ross County would lose two men in somewhat controversial circumstances, uh, at least with one of them, um, as they succumb to a two-nil defeat to St Mirren up in Dingwall. Um, I think the big the big talking point seems to be the the two red cards. We should probably go through them. Uh, the referee was one that I didn't recognise, Colin Stephen, um, who um, I, I didn't recognise either his name or his face. Um, but anyway, he rocked up, and uh, I think the the red card for Josh Reed was a daft one. In that, if you've already been booked for uh, trying to rip someone's shirt off, you probably shouldn't do it a second time. <laughs> They're both. They're, they're both yellow cards. There, there's absolutely yeah. nothing that can be argued um, about that red card. Josh Reed, you know, he's he's coming, eighteen year old lad. He, he won't do that again. But he was he was coming <laughs> up against me. He was basically he was getting routinely bodied by McAllister, um, and he just had enough of it. Um, really daft. It was one that you can see for the second yellow, especially he's got his he's got his arm caught in in McAllister's jersey. He's tried to let it go, and as he's let it go. McAllister has been really smart and just run across him and fallen over. And that that's, you know, that's a wee bit of experience against complete inexperience. And there's no there's no way you can say that that wasn't a red card. Both absolute stick on yellows. Yeah. Um, the other one, though, um, interesting. I, I don't think I've ever seen a referee give two yellows for, I know it wasn't the same incident, but for incidents within the same incident, if that makes sense. So it was Ross Draper who was, I say accused, so he's up in court, um, Ross Draper, the, the Dingwall, uh, Dingair, I don't know, I can't think of a good one. <laughs> Dingwall, but, Dingair, well, at least we know what the, at least we know what the show title yeah, is. We'll have to find something. Um, but he, uh, he was booked for, I, th- I think you would maybe call it a, a high boot, but it wasn't actually a high boot because he didn't make any contact whatsoever. Um, and then after that, he, he, pushes over the St Mirren player on the ground uh, and Colin Stephen rocks up to him and gives him the yellow twice, which confused him for a split second before he was absolutely furious about it. Um, I mean, my take was that it's uh, similar to Alan Muir in the game, Aberdeen St Johnson. Um, My approach, had I been a referee, which thank God for the SPFL I'm not, would have been to just give one yellow, a sort of combined yellow for two things, which I'm not quite sure about, but it's pretty bold to uh, to just send them off. I, th- I think by by the letter of the law and what he's seen, or what he thinks he's seen at least, that they are two yellow card worthy, or two caution uh, uh, things, and he's, you know, Potentially reacted to. I think. I think it's one of those. You give the booking and you give him a talking to and say you 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 kind of, you've kind of overreacted. But um, I think he probably got caught up with the protestations from the St. Mirren players, uh, and uh, I think thought he saw some saw, thought he saw more than actually was to see. If that makes sense, that was very torturous uh, language there. Um, but. Ultimately, it's one of those things again. Is that you're already a man down? Why are you putting your team in that sort of position? What like I think we've seen, uh, just yeah, all all three all three red cards this weekend, just completely needless. And I know that this is probably slightly a slightly difficult question to answer, given that we're only two games into his reign. 
um, and the in this game in particular, uh, they were obviously down to ten men after I think it was just after half an hour. Um, but are there any green shoots of recovery for Ross County as well at all? Does it look as if they're responding to the treatment from Doctor Hughes, or uh, has has he just put them into intensive care? And there's absolutely no way you can tell when you get two players sent off in a game. <laughs> like, yeah. Because the, the game plan completely changes unless, uh, you know, Ross Draper is reacting to uh, some sort of direction uh, from, from Mr. Hughes, whereby it's all blood and thunder. You know, if, if you feel wronged on the pitch, <laughs> you should let you should let that player know about it. And, you know, that's that's a possibility. Um, I'm, I'm not too sure, but there's no way to be able to tell uh, right now. I think, you know, we saw the, the body language and the, the literal language of Yogi when he was at Race Rovers and compare that to what he's like now. He feels a lot more comfortable, I think, uh, with the job he's got at Ross County. Um, so there, there's a possibility that maybe he feels that there's there's certainly a, a squad there that can that he can help resurrect uh, and, and bring slightly further up the table. I know they're missing Ross Stewart and all that kind of stuff as well. Uh, obviously, big losses um, throughout, the, throughout the squad that he'll be looking to get back as soon as possible. But honestly, if, if you've got players who are stupid enough to get sent off in a game, then there, there's no way of knowing um, if there's going to be any improvement there whatsoever yet. Uh, again, the weather uh, up in Dingwall looked utterly horrendous, maybe second only to Hamilton uh, in terms of being the, the worst weather of the weekend as well. So to answer your question, I've got no idea. <laughs> um, if he's imparted any form of wisdom, I think they would, they created a couple of chances when it was eleven versus eleven, which is nice. But again, like that, that can happen in a, a game where there's a slippery surface and howling wind. It's, and and yeah. and they were doing that under Kettlewell as well. I think you could maybe make the argument for green shoots had they kept a point. You know, or like you. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, they they lost two men and then lost two goals. Uh, and uh, yeah, I suppose there's. There's an element of uh, that St. Mary should be applauded for their professionalism because it's because sometimes it's not easy and you can get a bit more desperate as the game goes on, especially in those uh, weather conditions. Uh, and then even, I mean, if <laughs> you're Ross County, you're hoping that's all your bad luck kind of gone at once because even the goal that eventually is going to cost you the game come ends up being deflected in off. Uh, so um, Ross Laidlaw hasn't got a chance to to get to it, um, but. It's it's not great signs at the moment, but I mean, again, I, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because you, know, what what are we? Expe- the problem is that uh, no one expects stuff to happen immediately, uh, unless you happen to have Sam Allardyce as your manager, in which case it's done. You're kind of absolutely spot on. Um, I think what well, Ross County are away to Hibs. Uh, you know, the tomorrow night. No, tomorrow night. No. Uh, Wednesday night. I'm losing sight track of the days at the moment. Their next game. Their it? next game, yeah. and then they are home to St Johnston. Now that's if they don't, if they've not, if they've still not picked up anything from those two games, then do you start to get in a bit, a, a little bit worried? Uh, and then I'm not sure where their next game after that is. Uh, Livingston away on the ninth. Yeah, that's starting to become, and then uh, Aberdeen at home. And then Rangers away. So it's starting to build up in terms of problematic yeah. fixtures for them. So, uh, But then again, Big Roy might splash the cash. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, I, all I can't wait for is uh, whatever day it is in mid-January that uh, John Hughes has the kit man deliver the talk. Uh, <laughs> my guess is it'll be before the game against Rangers. But no, I think it's a, 
it's a good point you made, Duncan, that I think when you do a, a manager midway through the season, you're looking for some green shoots of recovery. And obviously, in the, the couple of games he's had Celtic, he's sort of right off to a certain extent. I think you also have to write off hips away. I know that might not be the, the attitude. It's because we are so want. good, Gary. It is because we are so good. Last time that I give Hibs any uh, neutral professional praise. Um, but you you know, you write off Celtic, you write off Hibs, and you're looking at all of those other teams that are around them, and they've already played one of them, had two guys sent off. Uh, and it's, as you say, it's difficult to judge, but then and that's, very and, quickly spiral. And that's what makes the appointment of Hughes interesting, I suppose, in that thing, because, as well, I would find it very unlikely that Roy McGregor decided to sack Stuart Kettlewell and hadn't already had conversations with, with someone in place. So, yeah, like it's this idea that, that, that Hughes... Uh, we should, if that is the case, and shoes, it shouldn't become as a mystery as to what players is at Hughes's disposable disposal and how he wants to deploy them. Um, but again, the, the problem is that when you're down the, that end of the end of the table and you start writing off, you know, away to Hibs and then Rangers and your know, Rangers game and then Aberdeen, you can quite easily start writing off a number, an awful lot of games that uh, teams at the other are just picking up points. And so that would be a bit of a bit of, uh, of concern. But again, January is normally a good time for Ross County to, to sort themselves out. But I will caveat that by saying John Hughes's recruitment record is awful uh, when it comes to being given cash uh, or, or, or finance made available. Um, some of his signings for Hibs were absolutely atrocious. Not much better at uh, Livingston, um, you know Inverness. I think we've said you didn't. He didn't really. He took Terry Butcher's team and, and improved them slightly, but it wasn't through signings. So, uh, yeah, I think. It, and, and let's not talk about Ray Rovers because, <laughs> like, yeah, we because, let Sean do that. Well, well, and because he doesn't recognise that as part of his uh, part of his uh, managerial career. Um, so, yeah, I, I, if I was a, I was a, if I was a Ross County fan, I would be. A little concerned. Yeah. And before we move on to our final game, we should also give a, a little bit of credit to St. Mirren as well. I think that's three wins and four now. Um they're uh, obviously they uh, they had the, the sort of the anti-motherwell boost of uh, potentially having six points back on the table again, or at least more than zero um from two games. Um so it, it looks as if as if Goodwin has sort of happened upon what it is that Samira need to do to, to pick up points in the league. And, it, you know, I don't want to say that there'd be dark horses for the top six, because really there's probably... Because they're a top four top, club, that's why. Well, exactly. You know, it's it's the minimum uh, that Tony Fitzpatrick will accept um, is top six. But, you know, if if you write off the top four spots, you've probably, you're probably looking at Livy, who obviously have, have got it together, uh, United and St Mirren as maybe being the the three clubs that would be hoping to, to fill those two spots. I think, as we've said previously, I think that uh, I think Craig Anderson has made this point that he really likes Goodwin as a manager, and, and I'm coming, I'm being one run to that uh, opinion as well. And I think that because he arrived so late uh, last year, you know, into like you know, he did, into the start of the season and stuff, and then obviously the curtailed season. This is the first time we're getting to see what he can do, uh, admittedly, with uh, with uh, one hand tied behind the back that is the kind of COVID transfer uh, problems, which, but th- that's one that's that's facing almost every team at their at their level. So I think uh, I think 
it's a difficult one that that um that I think that they are probably a lot better than they were at the start of the season. Uh but and so a top six finish isn't actually that wild for them. I think you know if you're looking at Dundee United almost being there, then I don't see any reason why why St. Mirren shouldn't feel that they should be part of that picture because in St. Mirren's defence, they've put on put out better performances than Dundee United this season. Well, um you, you mentioned uh Livingston as perhaps being the other rival for that and we should move on to their game they uh, ran out in the end again another late late show um, but they did still uh, pick up all three points at Rugby Park with a 2-1 victory over uh, the Squirrels I know that's not their name but I'm giving it to them now so uh, I just temporarily forgot so yep it's yet another win for David Martindale can he be stopped I don't think so you will never Livingston will never lose a game of football again is that what you're saying yeah, it's this is what they've been waiting for all this time. It's what they've been in training for. Um, but no, it's it's yet another uh, yet another three points under David Martindale, and it's it's looking more and more like the appointment that was the right one to make. Can Martindale be stopped? I think you'd be foolish to even try right now. I think he is he is an absolute freight train. Um, no, it's it's the Livy that um, kind of a lot of us on the podcast fell in love with a little bit a couple of years ago. So solid defensively, a midfield that will just overrun you, and then strikers uh, who will basically just try and batter the opposition at the submission. I think it's taken a wee while for the jet um, to sort of come up to that sort of speed. Um, I'm still not sure that he has, to be honest with you. But then <laughs> he, you've got, you know, he's he's absolutely tiny, but he will just muscle in and kick you and elbow you as much as he wants. And Scott Robinson, I think he's become such a a key factor in this this Livingston team. Obviously, he came off the bench at the weekend, got the winner, but above that, you know, he still had three or four other shots on goal. He was running down the channels. He was hassling Findlay. Um, he was getting in their faces. And I, I think that that's just sort of, that's exactly the Livingston that did so well a couple of years ago. Um, and, and that's sort of coming back under, under Martindale's um, solo stewardship. Uh, the defence is looking stronger than ever. Uh, Guthrie, is such a threat in both boxes. It was a great save from Danny Rogers to to prevent him in the first half. Um, but then after that, with um, coming up against like Tishbola, Kabamba, all these guys, absolutely not a problem at all. He just brushed them aside, and that that you know, you can say that's down to Kilmarnock's toothlessness, uh, which I think we we will obviously discuss in a, a wee bit as well. But the way that Livy are um, just overrunning teams again uh, with a bit of <laughs> A bit of a sort of blitz spirit, shall we say, under Martindale, where he just uh, sends his team out to battle, is is really fun to watch, uh, and I, I really enjoy looking at this Livingston team. You know, you, you've got classier players like Sibold and and Holt in there, but both of them know how to do the dirty side as well, um, and it, it's just such a such a good thing to watch. Can they be stopped? Yes, uh, they will eventually be stopped, but but right now they, they're getting the new manager bounce. Um, from a guy who's been there for years uh, pulling the strings anyway, so fair play. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I'm not willing to say that they'll ever be stopped. That's entirely on you, Robert. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, I think to a certain extent you can almost run out of things to say about Livingston, but you can't run out of things to say about this Kilmarnock team because they, the, the bottom's really fallen out of them, um, particularly in recent weeks. And when you see the goals that were conceded, okay, Robinson's goal was a fantastic goal, uh, looking over Rogers uh, at the last, but he certainly should have done better for Jets, uh, sort of little trundler, the trundling yeah, Jet. Definitely, I think, and I think that's 
that will be frustrating for a lot of Kilmarnock fans because I think that uh, we were certainly underwhelmed by the signing of Rodgers in the summer uh, and even more surprised that he ended up being first choice keeper uh, and then even in this game he, he pulls a few things out the bag where you're like oh actually were, were we the ones that were wrong about this and then later on in the game you're like no no that's what we thought was in his locker and yes that is very much squirming on that that trundler from uh from halfway down Comarque High Street has, has gone into uh, yeah not great um I think Craig Anson said said already he said last week that I think he thinks it's uh that it's just a deficiency on Dyer's part. Um, you know, again, the, the the stuff with the, the substitutes last week is just that's basic, basic. Yeah. You know, the virgin on indefensible. Um, you know, and again, uh, we've said it numerous times already. Like, seems like a lovely guy, but again, there are lots of lovely people in football who are better suited to being coaches than managers. I, I, but I don't. I, I don't want to say that is necessarily the case with Dyer because you know, a third of a season um, with one club, you know, full, when he's been given the, the job full time, isn't really a, enough to judge uh, how he might be in future roles. But that there's an underperformance uh, throughout that entire Kelly team that they shouldn't be in the position they are, um, and. An element of fragility and weakness that when you do, you are playing a team like Livingston and you go one nil up through a penalty that you can't see the rest of the game out is got to be worrying. It reminds me a little of you know the episode of The Simpsons when they unveil the Jimmy Carter statue that has Molay's forever on the plaque. Um, that that just feels like Kilmarnock to me at the moment. It's uh, and it's it's actually very interesting. I mean, going ahead slightly here um, to to midweek when they're playing Motherwell because it's two managers who are to those on the outside they might look and go you know well i don't see why they would be under pressure you know they're um if you have a look at the the league table uh, without looking at the points you might think well you know it's maybe not their greatest season but i'm sure they'll, they'll put it together but it it feels like a little bit of a watershed moment coming up where you've got motherwell and, and killy um going toe to toe two teams who i think in their last couple of games haven't scraped a point between them um and it it feels a little bit like a potential sliding doors moment. Yeah, I mean that that the, the their last five games for both sides has been uh, eight losses and two draws, and that's Motherwell picking up that that you know it's five straight losses for Kilmarnock. Yeah. Um, you know, Hamilton are the Hamilton are the only team in uh, from eighth to twelfth that have uh, picked up wins in the last uh, five matches, which is um, quite quite an achievement. It's um, you, you talk about Motherwell. Does Stephen Robinson not absolutely hate winter time anyway? And Motherwell always go through sketchy form uh, through the winter and then pick up again after. So that'll probably just happen again. Probably starting with Kilmarnock, <laughs> and then that that'll be that'll be uh, you know him him going back to being the, the savior. I, I think you look at the squad that Alex Dyer has got available and the players within that squad who are still there from the, the, the Steve Clark era who, who were performing so well under him. Um, and that is a deficiency with the manager. It has to be, um, it, it can't really be looked upon in, in any other way. And it's just, it's such a shame uh, because I, I, I thought it was a, a, a really sort of strong appointment from Kilmarnock to, to give him his chance. You know, the, 
he could have been Kilmarnock's David Martindale. Who knows? But um, but it's just not worked out that way at all. And it's you know Craig Anderson again, uh, the, the man of the man of all things Kilmarnock, put up something saying that that Dyer's form is is the worst of any manager in, in quite a while. Uh, even worse than like Gary Locke and uh, and Lee Clark and all that kind of stuff. So it's not looking good for them at all. And and the way that they just crumbled towards the end of that game um, after that goal went and the heads went down and that is that is something that can be quite endemic of a team that has has no real way of coming back from uh, when when the heads go down that easily is is quite. Quite a, a terrible indictment of on any team, and I, I think of the management, the coaching staff as well. So, yeah, it's it's worrying times, especially since obviously neither Motherwell or Kilmarnock and presented as a binary option, as if Hamilton and, and Ross County aren't there, um, along with the likes of St Johnston as well. But neither of those teams have been relegated in a generation. Um, you know, I, I can't remember the exact years, but I think it is it's about 30, 32 years and twenty nine years respectively, something like that. Um, and it is, although they've both been involved relatively recently, I say relatively recently in the last sort of four or five years in relegation scraps, it is something that I think there's a certain muscle memory that particular teams have. And that's why so often you see teams all of a sudden plummet out of nowhere. So you see Hearts do it last season, you see uh, Hibs haven't done it before. I'm not going to claim Dundee's one of those teams because we go up and down like a yo yo, um, but you see, um, there was another team that I had as an example in my head that has totally disappeared at Dundee United. How can I forget? Um, so you see all these teams um, that don't have the, and it sounds stupid to say, don't have the experience of having players that are used to just scrapping for 10th or 11th. But I think it is, it's definitely a factor of that, if that fear factor um, sort of seep, begins to seep into the pores of the club, that it can be quite difficult to identify what the cure is for that. And yep. on that really cheery note, um, <laughs> <laughs> particularly for fans of uh, Kilmarnock and Motherwell, um, I, I think we'll we'll leave it there for now. Obviously, there are games coming up uh, in midweek, um, and I'm sure that there will be a, a merry band of men coming along to uh, chat about those games as well uh, to cover what inevitably, after our discussion today, will be a, a ripping humdinger of a game between Killy and Motherwell, <laughs> a surprise Ross County victory as well. Aki's picking up three points somehow, basically just making us look like mugs. Um, but for now, we're going to sit quite smugly um, with our views and opinions of all these games. So uh, thanks again, Rob and Duncan, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Anytime. And thank you all for listening uh, and continue to check out the Patreon. Uh, there's stuff going up. I don't have a clue what there is. Um, but further, we'll reach into his grab bag and pull out something, blow the dust off it and shove it up for us all. So enjoy it when it comes. Um, and I will speak to you all soon. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.